The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. This is our Monday, midday show, Monday, December 16th. What a time to be alive, heading into the stretch run. Got one game left in Week 15. We're going to preview that with Jared Dubin, the Saints and the uh, Colts. Then after the break, Jason Lockenfora joining us with some great insight on the Patriots investigation, the Browns coaching search, what the Buccaneers might do with Jameis Winston, much, much more before we get to that, remember, subscribe, rate, and review. We're doing a Christmas mailbag, so if you have questions you want to ask us, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Ask any question, and we will answer it. For any member of the podcast, um, it'll probably just be a super friend show, but we will, you know, like if, if you have a question for Dubes, I will, I, will, I will ask him. If you have a question for Brady, I will hunt him down. If you want to ask JLC uh, where he bought his Nespresso machine that you'll hear later in the show, I will also ask him that. Anything is above board, but now... Let's preview Monday Night Football. Colts at the Saints. Jared Dubin, what's up, buddy? Not too much, man. How about you? Uh, not much. Doing well. Um, I think I, uh, I'm in decent shape to win the two fantasy semifinals that I, that I made. Um, and, uh, yeah, should we talk about my, uh, my complete destruction of Swimmy's team this week? Oh, is in, in the, 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 pick in the staff league? Yeah. yeah let's, I'll check it out. Let's see. Did you obliterate him? I did. 124.96 to 79.7. Oh, in the words of Sean, you hate to see it. Yeah. Are you and at now I get, I get to steal a player from, uh, from his team this week. Right? Well, that's how it works. Yeah, it is how it works. And he has Patrick Mahomes. So, oh, you can't take Mahomes though. Yeah. It's got to be take Robert, like, I bet you can take Robert Woods or Allen Robinson. Yeah. Um, what are the rules? What are the rules? You can only take someone. It's got to be not the first three rounds, I think. Uh, he went Woods, Chiefs, Kevin Coleman. Oh, you can take Allen Robinson. That's the pick. That's easy. Robinson yeah. playing really well lately. Mm-hmm. And I could just slide him into my uh, my Debo Samuel lineup slot. There you go. He also has Debo Samuel. He drafted Debo Samuel. I guess he must have dropped him. Whoops. There you go. Uh, let's talk uh, Saints and Colts. Wait, we're this not is... just going to break down my win over Sean? Come on. I was thinking we could do some, <laughs> some, some, uh, Debo, Debo, not Debo Samuel, Debo of the producers. Like, I can't imagine how he, like, just the things that run through his head when, like, like, he's like, they're talking about the Phoenix Suns again? What the hell? Um, I want to point Ricky Rubio to, playing well. <laughs> yeah, I know. I want to point out to uh, anyone that is listening that, um, before we dive into it, we'll get to player props in a minute. We always cover them at the end of the show. But if you are listening to this on Monday afternoon and you're like, man, I got itching to bet some props, uh, go ahead and go bet. Drew Brees is over for touchdown passes tonight is two right now. And it was at one f- minus 142. It is now minus 166. Um, I took it at minus 142 this morning. If you can get it, anything over like he needs three touchdown passes to break the record to pass to pass Peyton Manning I think and um who else does he have to pass he has to pass two people is it Favre and Peyton Manning for most passing touchdowns of all time that sounds right yeah so Breeze is at 537 Tom oh Tom Brady's at 538 and Peyton Manning is at 539 if Drew Breeze throws three passing touchdowns the Saints will once again on Monday Night Football get to stop the game, and celebrate for Drew Brees. If there's one thing we should know about the Saints and, and Sean Payton and Drew Brees is that they love stopping the game um, and making a big deal out of it and then handing Drew Brees a laminated certificate that says most touchdowns of all time until Tom Brady breaks it again. <laughs> so I would anticipate that Drew Brees has at least three passing touchdowns and that Sean Payton will call down near the goal line a lot of throws. Do you agree or disagree? I mean, I think it helps that the Colts defense is essentially designed – to let Drew Brees beat you. Uh, <laughs> they play a ton of zone coverage for the most part, and their defense is essentially based around just not giving up big plays at all costs. They want to force short throws and have their linebackers and safeties 
come up and make tackles. And I mean, that's where Drew Brees is at his best. This is a stat that I have in the preview. Um, on short throws within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage against zone defenses, Brees is 86 of 106 for 719 yards and a 98.1 passer rating. And his yards per attempt on those throws is third best in the NFL. It's basically he's throwing a Mike Thomas and Alvin Kamara. Those are the guys that, that work in the short zones for him. Thomas can essentially box out anybody that comes near him. Kamara, we'll talk about it in a bit, but when he gets out into space, he usually can shake tackles and, uh, and create yards after the catch. That's been a bit of a struggle for him since he came back from that ankle and or knee injury that he had earlier in the season. But that's where Breeze is going. Those are the two best players on this offense, and that's what the Colts defense is designed to give up. It sort of plays right into the state's hands. Mm, that's not good for the Colts then. What uh, <laughs> do you think that it matters in this in a game like this with um, you know with with the Saints and how they like to operate that they would that they'll you know I mean I just feel like they've done this for years and I don't, I don't begrudge it at all you just need to know it's coming it's like they're willing to run up the score in spots like this and they're oh, willing 100%. To, and they're like Sean Payton doesn't care. It's not, he's not, it's like, remember that Thursday night game between the Vikings and the Redskins where we're like this, you know, this game stinks, but it wouldn't be surprising if Mike Zimmer just, you know, ran the ball 70 times and got out of Dodge with a win. That's not Sean Payton's style. He likes to win with a little flair. He likes to put up some points. He likes his guys to break records and he likes to, you know, celebrate his own offensive genius. And I, I don't, I don't, again, I don't begrudge him that at all. If, if I were Sean Payton, I would probably do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, the one thing he loves more than anything in primetime games is getting weird players touchdowns. Like Zach line, <laughs> yeah. Zach line, whatever his line for a touchdown is, go bet it. Just put like $5 on it. You could win probably like $6,000. He loves getting weird players touchdowns in primetime games. There was a game against the Cowboys. I remember when I was in college, when whoever their fullback was at the time, I think had three touchdowns in the game. It was ridiculous. Like what I'm trying to look at what the, um, Trying to see if I can find, uh, some kind of stat for, yeah, like, like Traquan Smith, you could see having a huge game or, um, I can't and even He's bet. a receiver though. Like it's gotta be like the, the no, third remember, tight end or the fullback. No, Traquan Smith last year against the Redskins had that monster game in primetime where Breeze broke the record. I think it was Smith that caught the pass. Was it? Yeah. I'm going to tell you what it is right now. Let's see. Traquan Smith. But like. Yeah. Bet on like Zach a, line was a, Zach line was not available on my on my, my bet touchdown. on like a Taysom Hill receiving touchdown or like yeah yeah whoever the third tight end is now bet on him scoring or Zach line scoring like yeah so here's um uh, Traquan Smith had two games with more than fifty receiving yards uh, one he had three catches against Washington for two touchdowns and 111 yards. Uh, and then he had 13 targets against Philly later in the year in a 48 to seven, uh, win. It was just a random Sunday afternoon. He had 13 targets for 10 catches, 157 yards and a touchdown. Weird. That's pretty good. I feel like yeah. if you have that kind of game, your team's probably going to win. He is a boom or bust play in that spot. Um, so do you think, are, are you concerned at all about Alvin Kamara's lack of usage? Uh, I don't know that it's necessarily the usage so much as it is he's just not doing as much with it. Uh, in the first six games before he got injured, he had 649 total yards on 119 touches. That's 5.45 yards per touch and 108.1 yards per game. But in the five games since coming back, he's got 87 touches for 425 yards. That's 4.89 yards per touch and 85 yards per game. Um, obviously, those are significantly lower, but you look at the the touch totals. I mean, 119 in six games is around 20 a game, and 85 in five games is, what, like 17 and a half per game? Mm -hmm. So it's not that much of a lack of usage. I mean, two and a half touches is not that much of a difference. To me, and this is from uh, Hayden Winks at Roto World, the avoided tackle rate for Kamara, which is basically his signature, is just the ability to make guys miss. It's essentially dropped through the floor since he came back. Mm. Uh, before the injury, he was avoiding a tackle 34% of the time on runs and 27% of the time on catches. But since the injury, it's 13% on runs and 
wow. on catches. So basically cutting a third on runs and cutting half on catches, I think it's pretty clear he just has not had the same, you know, like shake or wiggle or whatever you want to call it when he gets out in open space since he came back from that injury. And I I mean, with an ankle injury, like, yeah. that makes sense. I would say, like, you could almost I, – I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I bet that it's pretty similar for Saquon Barkley too. Like, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, just the way that you can tell when you watch these guys, they just don't have the same burst, same explosion. They're still dealing with the ankle injury. It makes you wonder why the Saints, I mean, they've clinched, I know that they're still fighting for the number one seed. So, you know, it's, you, you can't, you can't just rest Kamara, but like, it makes you wonder why they didn't maybe give him a little more rest to try and, you know, hope that he could, you know. Especially with the way Latavius Murray was rolling while Kamara was out. I think it made sense to, you know, just get him as close to 100% as he possibly could before the playoffs started but i mean he's he's been back for five games now it's not like they're gonna suddenly sit him down with only three more games before the playoffs the time to do it was you know when he was sitting out you know give him a week or two more um you know i I don't know that they could have foreseen the the tackle breaking ability dropping off this much particularly since he's like you know one of the most elusive guys in the league that's basically the whole reason he's as good of a player as he is um I, i don't know that you could say you know, he had an ankle injury, so suddenly his ability to break tackle is going to be cut in half. That's not something that you necessarily could have foreseen. But, you know, I, I think it is an issue, and especially, again, against this Colts defense, they love to encourage those short throws and come up and make tackles. Like, typically that would be a situation where Kamara is probably just going to kill you. But the way he's been the last five games, that might not be the case. How many uh, – will Michael Thomas have 100 receptions tonight or just 95? Yes. <laughs> Can the Colts do anything to slow him down? Um, I mean, it's it's so tough. I didn't go too deep on him in the preview just because him and Breeze are up next for my quarterback receiver series yeah. for Wednesday. So I'm going to go, you know, much much deeper on him. I mean, those passes within ten yards of the line of scrimmage, like I mentioned, against zones. Thomas has caught forty three of fifty two for four hundred and sixteen yards. That's Eight yards per pass with essentially a guarantee that the throw is going to be completed. It's essentially like you're averaging, you know, eight yards per carry, which, I mean, teams would run every time if they averaged eight yards per carry. Um, You know, there there are 30 receivers in the league who have been targeted 30 or more times on throws within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage against zone defenses. And Thomas has the second highest rate of positive EPA plays at Sports Info Solutions. So... I mean, it's ridiculous volume and ridiculous efficiency. He's so big. They use him in the slot. It's hard to get a jam on him. And even if you do, he could just box you out. He has probably the best hands in the league. He never drops passes. It's basically when you're throwing the ball to him, it's essentially a guarantee that it's going to be caught. And, you know, even though he doesn't test defenses deep down the field quite as often as the other best receivers in the league, the efficiency is so good that it's, like, almost impossible to stop him. Yeah. He, they don't need to stretch the field. It's incredible. And they did a little bit more. Um, do you think that, uh, like, what do the Colts do on offense? How do they, I mean, is this just a, they got to keep up with them? Cause the Saints are banged up on defense. I think there's an interesting little, like, chess match here. Mm-hmm. You know, Sheldon Rankin's gone. Marcus Davenport gone. I think both for the year. I'm not sure it's official, but they, they won't be there. Um, Jacoby Brissett has not looked excellent every week since his injury i think that's another guy that uh you know maybe not getting the credit for the sort of the what he's dealing with from a knee perspective and having to drive the ball and you can see a lack of velocity he's also throwing to zach pascal and like mo alley cox so uh maybe maybe it's 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 more of a byproduct of uh of him uh not having a lot around him his completion percentage has dropped five percent in his last six games um you know touchdowns interceptions 14 to three his first six and four to three his last six the colts have Dropped off tremendously. Four and two in the first six games, two and four cents. He's averaging like 185 passing yards per game over the last six. Um, is it, is it on Brissett? Is it on the receivers? Is it on just sort of a, a you know, just a, 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 just attrition, you know, coming back to bite the Colts? Where, how do you see this and how do they move the ball against New Orleans? I think it's got to be a combination of both. I mean, obviously Brissett playing with the knee injury is, is not great. And I think he, there's been a noticeable, lack of deep passing since then as if you know he can't plant quite as hard and and throw down the field but I mean a lot of it is just he is a completely different quarterback when T.Y. Hilton is on the field and when he's not 
um, in the games where Hilton hasn't played. Brissett is at 57.6% completions, seven touchdowns, four interceptions. That's an 83.3 passer rating. But when Hilton plays, he's at 67% completions, 11 touchdowns, two interceptions, and 100.4 passer rating. So a lot of it just depends on whether he's going to have his best receiver on the field or not. And, you know, Hilton said early or late last week that Frank Reg is only going to let him play if he's 100%. Which, I mean, to me, seems like he's going to sit out because if he was 100%, he wouldn't be limited in sitting out practices. Right. And there would be, you know, no questionable tag. He would just be playing. So to me, it seems like he's going to sit. And then again, you know, he's working with, like, Zach Pascal, Marcus Johnson. Uh, Paris Campbell is out again after getting injured again. He's got, like, somebody named Ashton Doolin played a bunch of snaps last week. I didn't even know who he was. Um <laughs> Eric Ebron's out too, so Jack Doyle is basically the only tight end that they're working with. I mean, Mo Ali Cox, but but he's not exactly a receiving threat either. You know, to me, it it seems incredibly likely they'll try to employ the the same kind of game plan they did when they played against the Chiefs earlier in this season, where they gave Marlon Mack, I think, twenty nine carries in that game, and they just tried to grind the clock, keep the ball away from the other team's offense. You know, if if you can do well like they did in that game against, you know, uh, a very bad Chiefs run defense, then it works. But the Saints have been a top 10 run defense unit this season. But as you mentioned, I mean, Marcus Davenport and Sheldon Rankins, two of their three best defensive linemen, are not going to play in this game. Yeah. I mean, if you're – I think we've seen what Frank Wright likes to do, especially even in primetime games. He doesn't care. Like, he's he wants to grind the clock out and – you know, he's going to force the Saints to be really efficient on their possessions. That's why I would worry too that, uh, that if, like, I would be, well, anyway, we can get to the, we can get the picks in a second. Let's start with the props too. Um, I just could see a situation where the Saints are up big and the Colts are like, ah, oh, crap. We got to, <laughs> you know, we throw the ball to Zach Pascal. Uh, Drew Brees over under 303 and a half passing yards. Um. That's really tough because I feel like he can throw on them, but I also feel like it's going to be a lot of short passes. Like I could easily see him completing like 30 passes for 265 yards or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, that's tough. 303 is a think lot. 303 is a lot, and it doesn't seem like they're going to come out and just throw deep all night either because that's, you know, the Colts defense is designed to take that away. Um, I think I'll go tentatively under. He's averaged 288.7 passing yards per game since he returned from the injury, the thumb injury. Really, really very impressive, by the way. He's completing. Uh, yeah, plus, he can throw for you know six touchdowns on 230 yards passing. Yeah, that I, that that's the thing. It's like I don't. I think the Colts will get. I don't think the excuse me the Saints. I don't think they're going to try and air it out and like bloodbath the Colts. I think they want to. I think they'll just try and get Breeze the touchdowns. Like, he wanted the yardage against the the Redskins. Now he wants the touchdowns to, to try and pass him. Um, again, I would take the over two touch passing touchdowns. I wouldn't care if you got to lay minus 200 on the juice. He's going to throw <laughs> two passing touchdowns. So you can, at worst case, you push, right? Take the over on completions, too. Ooh, what's the, let's see. What is the, uh, let's see what the over is on. Pass completions, Drew Breeze, 28 and a half. Oh, my God, that's a lot. Oh, maybe not. Never mind. That's <laughs> super high. That is so many. But I mean, again, if you look at his pass completion since they came back, um, he's averaging, oh, averages 28.5 per game. Huh. Hmm. I wonder where they came up with that number. Yeah. Uh, 29 against the 49ers, just 18 against the Falcons on, on Thanksgiving. I want to say there was a bunch of PI in that game, maybe 30 against the Panthers at home, uh, 28 at Tampa Bay, 32. So this is probably worth noting. On those 28, on that 28 and a half average, um, he has 34, 32, 30, and 29 in the four home games there, 28 and 18 in the two away games. Don't know if that matters. Maybe. Maybe. Sure. I mean, he tends to, he goes over 28 and a half, uh, at home. The other number for Jacoby Brissett, 20, 232 and a half passing yards. I feel like you got to go under. I mean, they just haven't been throwing the ball well at all. It seems pretty unlikely that Hilton's going to play. Yeah, I think they're going to want to run. I don't know how you go over there. 
What would you project? Like, sorry, I just think this is interesting. So you can, I don't have an over under on my site for, um, receiving yards for Zach Pascal or T.Y. Hilton or anything. You're going to wait to do that after inactives, I'm sure. But you can go to like the customized thing, which they have on these sites and you can pick Zach Pascal and then you can pick, um, you know, you can, let's say like I can do Zach Pascal receiving yards. And the default is 65 minus 133. So like if let's say T.Y. Hilton doesn't play, do you think Zach Pascal goes over 65 receiving yards? I mean, you would think so just because of the lack of options, like, but by default. Yeah. But I mean, it might just be Jack Doyle all game. It's, it's not like Pascal has been consistently going over that. I know he's been over it the last couple games. But you look before that, I mean, he had that huge game against Houston, but then the next week he had one catch for six yards. Then he went five for 76, two for 26, two for 17, and zero for zero yep. in the next three games. So it's not like – it's it's just tough to count on it because, I mean, he hasn't been consistent enough, you know? Yeah. And, um, man, yeah, this Colts offense could be – this doesn't feel like a – a funky Monday night game. It just feels like a blowout. So what do you have? Uh, by the way, Alvin Kamara, 101 and a half total rushing and receiving yards. I would take the under on that in a heartbeat. Right? Yeah, that sounds right. Especially, you know, with the tackle breaking stat that I mentioned, he's averaging 85 yards a game since he came back. Um, yeah, I, I think that an under is a pretty decent bet there, especially like if they're winning, they might decide, you know, we're going to let Latavius run, run out That's, the clock. Yep, exactly. Yep. Um, over under Marlon Mack, 61 and a half rushing yards. That'll go over. I think they're going to give him a bunch of carries. And again, the Saints have been, you know, an above average run defense, but not an elite one. And they're missing two of their three best defensive linemen. Um, they just gave up 24 carries for 162 yards and a touchdown to the 49ers last week. Um, yeah. I think they might be able to run it decently well. Yeah, I think you're right too. I kind of like the over in that spot as well. If he if he gets the carries, he'll get the yardage. Uh, all right, let's get your pick. Who you got? Uh, I got Saints twenty four fourteen. Okay, so that is way under. It's forty seven is the over under. That's way under. Oh, I guess I uh, love the under. Hmm, you do love it. That's interesting. You only think the Colts will muster fourteen points. Yeah, I mean, I just don't like the way their offense is played without T.Y. Hilton. I think the Saints' defense is pretty good. I know that they got in a shootout with the 49ers last week. I mean, that's not the kind of game that the Saints have been playing all year. Um, their their defense has been really good. The 49ers' defense, for the most part, has been really good, too. Like, I think that was kind of a fluky game where they both just, you know, moved the ball all over each other. Um, I don't necessarily see that happening with this Colts' offense. Okay. The, uh, the Colts are fourth. Excuse me, fifth in the NFL in terms of plays per drive, and the uh, the Saints are seventh. So you could certainly be looking at a team that, I mean, you know, like the call, the Saints are third in time of possession per drive, and the Saints are fifth. So maybe this is a clock controlled drive melter, and like if they don't, even if the Colts miss a couple of red zone spots, and all of a sudden this game's out of hand, and the Saints are just kind of sitting on it, they get Drew Brees' three touchdowns, and they get out of there. I mean, that 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 wouldn't be stunning at all. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the way that I saw it. But, I mean, you look at it, it makes sense that those teams are uh, are, are that high in time of possession. I mean, you look at the Colts want to run. Runs yep. take off more time on the clock than passes. And the Saints throw a ton of short passes that always get completed. Yep. So it makes sense. All right. All right, Dibs. Uh, I like it. I got, the, uh, I got the Saints covering, I think, Pretty easy. I, again, Breeze milestone game. Don't take the Colts. What's uh? What's the spread? Line is nine. Oh, okay. So it's I uh, I had the Saints yeah. covering too. Yeah, I would not. Um, I would maybe tease. And then the Saints team total is like twenty eight. So you, you know, you know, the Colts is nineteen. I don't know that I'd want to bet on the Colts to score more than nineteen points, but I think they yeah. could get to twenty one against this team. I like the over at forty seven. I think. Well, I love the under, so we're going head-to-head. All right, well, we'll find out on Thursday who won. Well, everybody will find out during the game who won. Uh, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, talk to uh, Jason Lock and Four about news and notes around the NFL. Thanks, dudes. Thanks, Pam. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? 
And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Jason Lockenfora has promised to talk things, all things NFL. JLC, what's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you. Uh, did you... Did you watch Boomer, Boomer Sison, give Joe Burrow the Bengals helmet? I did. And did you? I think, knew it was coming. Did you think, as John Breach's wife, who's you know sort of a uh, brought into Bengals you know fandom yeah. from outside, uh, she she remarked that it that Joe Burrow's face looked like the girl in the Peloton ad. <laughs> well, we you. knew it was coming because we you know Boomer had been talking about it all week and yeah. He was eager to do, uh, eager to do that, um, which we knew from our production calls. Joe was not in our morning production meeting, so he had no idea <laughs> it was coming. Um, I think Boomer's right, though. I mean, that's uh, Joe Burrow's. The Bengals right now, based on the results yesterday, have almost, you know, unless they they, they now turn they the corner and, and become the hottest team in football, they're going to be picking first. I think they have clinched. Because even if they, they get the three wins, they couldn't get the tiebreakers. I mean, I guess the tiebreakers with that is like strength of victory. Yeah, because they teams. lost to Washington, right? Didn't they yeah. play? I feel like they played the. No, did they? They lost to one of those other three, at least one of those other three win teams. I swear, Breach said. Um, oh, have they clinched okay. it now? Maybe they have not clinched it. R.J. White actually has an article about this. I thought Breach had said they clinched it. I mean, their their strength of schedule, it, they have a 77% chance to get it. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah. right. They haven't clinched it. Yeah. So they're, but they're they're in good shape, and that's what I believe they'll do. Um, I think they will take take Burrow. I think they would have taken Burrow even if before Tua got hurt. Really? Yeah, I just think he's, he's, little, he's their cup of tea. You know, from the relative area – the Browns, you know, that kind of stuff matters to them. Um, even though he didn't obviously take off at Ohio State, he was at Ohio State. Um, yeah, I think they're taking Joe Burrow. I mean, Andy Dalton. I mean, I mean, I don't even know why we have to talk about what Andy Dalton did yesterday. They already benched him, you know, five weeks ago or whatever. But that, you know, they had they had they had the Patriots on the ropes, man. And then Andy Dalton just went. And threw like three straight picks, including a pick six to Stephon Gilmore, and that was the game. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, they're going to be all about having a quarterback on that rookie contract, and they clearly need a quarterback. And they hired a quarterback guru, head coach, you know, and Zach Taylor. At least that's what they're they're hoping he becomes. I I don't I think Boomer's spot on. I, uh, he he can start explaining to Joe Burrow what it's like to be uh, <laughs> Mike Brown's quarterback. Yeah, maybe he and uh, Carson Palmer and Andy Dalton can all get together. Uh, notable history of the Bengals, by the way. Carson Palmer first overall in 2003. Um, this were you know, Jack Thompson first overall in 1979. Achilles Smith first overall, uh, third overall, excuse me, 1999. Jack Thompson was actually third overall. Greg Cook fifth overall. Oh, what could have been Greg Cook? Uh, fifth overall in 1969. Dave Klinger sixth overall 1992. Yeah, Andy Klingler, Dalton. I knew was yeah Klingler was another one they took high in that. Yeah. 
Uh, Andy Dalton, 35th in uh, 2011, and Boomer Sison, 38th in 1984. That's actually like a pretty good list of quarterbacks. Like if, if you're the Bengals, you should be pretty depressed that you've drafted that, those quarterbacks and have had as little success as you've had. Well, and we were having this, this discussion yesterday, not because of the Bengals, but because of Eli Manning. Yesterday morning, you know, we're talking about the merits of Eli and whether he's a Hall of Famer or not. And so, like, I turned to Boomer. I'm like, who's a better quarterback, Ken Anderson or Eli Manning? And I'm like, is it even close? Wow. And he's like, no, it's Ken Anderson and it's not close. I'm like, yeah, but Ken Anderson can't get in the Hall of Fame and people want to put Eli in, you know what I mean, first ballot because of the two Super Bowls. Yeah. I, I mean, I, but I'm just saying, you know, the Bengals have had, I mean, Ken Anderson was a hell of a quarterback and they had him for a sure. while and, you know, they did get to the Super Bowl. They just didn't win it. Ken Anderson, third round, in case people are wondering, 1971, 67th overall. Um, yeah, look, I, I mean, I, you know, I tend to think that Eli Manning should not be a Hall of Famer, but will definitely be a Hall of Famer. That's, I'm with you. Yeah. Um, another quarterback, uh, who is up on, up in the air. So if they draft Joe Burrow, do they keep Andy Dalton and no, sort of do like a, a very up? tradable contract? No, I don't. Okay. I don't. I don't think you need. To. I mean, I think Joe Burrow's running a pro offense this year. Yeah, you know, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think. I mean, dude, they played your guy for six weeks. Yeah, Ryan Finley. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why are you not starting Joe Burrow day one? I mean, I yeah. That's wild. Right, you so, know they get uh, they're gonna get Jonah Williams back, right? So they'll be looking at basically be like getting two first round picks. Yeah, and you starting with a left tackle and a quarterback. I mean, nowhere to go but up. I, I get it. And they got a yeah, they got some other they got a couple other players. Um, they'll be better next year, maybe. What uh, what about Jameis Winston in Tampa Bay? He is now like nine hundred and fifty yards away from breaking the all time season single season pass. He's gonna throw, right? yeah, yeah. He's gonna he and he's thrown for nine hundred yards. More than 900 yards in the te- past two weeks alone. Um, I, I, you start looking at the, and, and I wrote about this yesterday. I mean, you, you start looking at the landscape now. The Titans aren't going to let Tannehill get away. No. You know, Eli. I mean, as much as Eli won that game, go go watch the third picky through where his head is literally bailing before he throws the ball. Like that's yeah. over. Flacco's over. Eli. Philip Eli Rivers just, is just over. Uh, I thought Eli, I don't know if you, I'm sure you probably saw it, but like the, when Pat Shermer gave him the game ball afterwards, it was, yeah. I mean, look, you read between the lines on like what, <laughs> what, uh, his, what is, we, we got a snow day here and somebody's yeah, apparently right. playing Fortnite in the basement. <laughs> That's uh, not I, even, but I'm just letting you know that I'm not even on the same floor. I mean, okay, my house is not, that that big, the, is not big, but, but that was coming from the basement. I'm in the living room and that was from that the was, basement with the door pretty much closed with the, with the basement door pretty much closed. That was a freaking shriek. Good for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. The power of the eight-year-old voice. Oh, there's something else, man. Uh, yeah. So Eli, I mean, Eli basically, uh, in the, in the post game, uh, Pat yeah, Sherman gave him the game ball and you could like see it in Eli's face that he knew that this was potentially his last ever. Yeah. When the way he's carrying his kids off the field, I'm just telling you, go back and find the clip after he throws the third interception and then they catch him on the sidelines. And he had this expression that was sort of like 25%, you know, why the hell did I do that? 25%, you know, even by last five years of Eli Manning standards, that was horrible. Like 25%, I'm just glad the guy didn't break my bones. And then 25%, like, how many more times do I have to do this? Like, because it's over. Yeah, like I'm, 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 I'm good here. So let's wrap this yeah, up. Pete. Yeah, I survived um, this one. Let's go. Yeah. So I mean, and I know, I know that um, the NFL Today guys did the around the um, like it was like a believe it or not or some sort of segment like that. Believe or make believe. Oh, believe let me tell believe. you that 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 is uh, that's a <laughs> careful. That's oh, careful. <laughs> no, no, it's not, it's not bad. I'm just saying it's it's that is a. That is a uh, like always one of the first questions in our production meeting. Like, is there a believer make believe this week, for better or for worse? I, I think it's fair to say there's a love hate relationship with believer make believe. But I just don't know why it's not believe it or not. <laughs> Whatever. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I kind of I like I, I think believe I, I like I like what our producer Drew Kaliski's done there. I like I like believer make believe more than believe it or not. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so because make believe is 
can exist in a in a in a not believe like believe it or not is very different from believe or make believe. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. yeah. Um, anyway, one of the believe. I'm just jealous because I never get to play. But yeah, yes, there's a love hate relationship with believe or make. Believe. One of the believes or make believes was will Eli Manning play in 2020 for an NFL team? I think Nate Burleson was the only guy yeah. who said he will play. And I'm not suggesting that Nate did it for the theater of of having one person. Well, sometimes you got to take one for the team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, everybody who's been in TV knows that. Uh, you want to but, present but, all sides. Right. But my sense was really that, like, these guys who are plugged in, and, I mean, you know, they're not, like, you know, insiders around the league, but they know, like, yes. former players and coaches know everybody. They get a sense of where they're at. And, um, you know, like, when you hear Cower talk about Gronk not wanting to come back, he's like, dude, that guy's hot. He's like, he basically was like, this is what happened when I retired, and it, it was awesome, right. and he's not coming back. And you could get the sense, too, that like they, it, it just feels like this is, this is it for Eli, and maybe it for Larry Fitzgerald. We can talk about that in a second. But So back to Jameis, you're right. Like, Eli, that thing's done. He's not going to be out in the market. Tannehill's sticking in. You know what I mean? Like, like, even if you think Cam is an upgrade, they're not trading Cam. In a, like, they're not no. trading Cam to Tampa, right? And newsflash. They might finish nine and seven. They're not going to be in a position to get anywhere near a quarterback in this draft. They're, I mean, they won good. four in a row because yeah. this guy in the last four weeks is completing sixty-seven point five percent of his passes for over ten yards in attempt and fifteen hundred yards and eleven touchdowns. There is six interceptions, but I mean, Bruce can live with it at this point. He fits. He embodies what Bruce Arians wants, and there's not other quarterbacks out there who are going to fit the mold in the way he does. And I mean, he's going to throw picks like we know that, but they also need a quarterback next year and they gave him 20 million this year. So you're going to tell me it's out of the question. They give him 27 next year on a tag. I mean, he's had 10, three, and, and I get, it, I'm not a huge yards guy. And sometimes yards is hollow. Although a lot of their games have been close and it hasn't really been hollow, but 10, 300 yard games, back to back 450 yard games. He's had a bunch of four touchdown games. Um, it's good theater. He's it's oh, the Bucks are must watch TV. I mean, like at one point the Lions and David Blau had the ball and they were like yeah. about to drive down and tie the game. I mean, Tampa is yeah. the way that this Tampa team is built is it, like they have, and I, I talked about this I think on the podcast on on Sunday night, but like they're great against the run because they have Vita Vea and um yeah. and, and Adama Kinsu in there. They are horrible at running the ball because they don't have a great offensive line. They have Robert yeah. Jones and Peyton Barber. They're horrible at stopping the pass because they don't have anybody yeah. in the secondary. They're and nobody can stop them from swinging it around. Nobody yeah. can stop them from passing. Dude, they lose so, Mike Evans, and then Brashad Perriman goes out and looks like the best receiver in the NFL last week. Yeah, I, like, I think Justin, I, I don't know. Where are you? How are you moving on from this guy? You've paid. You've kept him around for five years, and he hasn't said or done anything cuckoo in a while. And he's only 26. He's not. Yeah, he's about to turn 26, I think, next month. January 6th, 1994, yeah. his birthday. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I'm with you. I, now, do you think that Jameis will – will this be a – they have to – like, I mean, if he leads the league in passing yards and he throws 35 touchdowns, like, he's right. going to get 5,000 passing yards. I mean, almost yeah. in his sleep, he's probably going to get 35 passing touchdowns. And he may throw 30 picks. Yeah, he made those 30 picks, absolutely. I mean, this is like, like, he's, he is leading the league in passing attempts, passing yards, interceptions, yeah. yards per completion, and yards per game. Yeah. That is like, that is yeah. so perfectly Bruce Arians. Yeah, I just, I mean. So what's the contract? This one like? is always going to be an owner's decision because of the way the, the last four years went on field and off. But if you're giving him 20 now, you know what I mean? And the way he's taken off in the second half in this system. I don't know how you how you know why you can't go to the Glazers and say, look, let's just offer him the Nick Foles deal right now. He may not take it, but let's just start there. And then if that leads us, so that's twenty. It's basically fifty for two, right? Yeah. And he's younger than Foles, and I mean he's better than Foles. He's been healthier than Foles, so he'll probably say no. So then we tag him, which will be around twenty-seven. And then maybe we get two years, you know what I mean? Off the maybe we do a, a three-year, four-year deal that that master, you know, that looks like a four-year deal that's really, you know, two years, fifty-four, whatever. Yeah, you know, just, and fully just, guarantee the first two years, and it'd be essentially like piggybacking franchise tax. Yeah, I just wonder like what because it's so weird. You know, you, you talk about it's like you know, James is like saying all these things. You know, I want to be in Tampa, you know. 
he, you know, he should be willing to, in theory, do the Bucks a favor because they're the ones who drafted him first overall. They stuck by him. You know, they've got a coach who fits his skill set. It's where he's going to thrive. They've got Mike Evans. They got Chris Godwin. They got Perryman. They got all, you know, they got OJ Howard. They got all these dudes. Yeah. Um, and two and tight ends. Cam Bray. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you like, think at some point they'll be able to run the football. Right. But like, you also don't really feel like he's going to take some discount because he's a, yeah, well, he should. He, I mean, because he's had a huge year and he's not even 26 yet. I mean, yeah, yeah. I. It'll be an interesting negotiation, but I don't. I. I don't. I see him there. I mean, if you have to tag him, you have to tag him. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm and that I'm, buys you a lot of time to work out a mini extension. Um, put in a boatload of incentives, whatever. But I don't think he's. You know, he's he and Tannehill aren't going anywhere. Okay. You mentioned, uh, we talked about the Bengals a little bit, the team that they played, the New England Patriots. I gotta get myself an espresso. I'm not a you're getting all the, you're getting all the sounds of the morning here. I know, getting the full lock and four experience. All we need is one CO. Well now, CO, and now the dog's about to go crazy because Lauren, two kids were off and one had two hours late. Oh, so boy. now the dog will probably go crazy. Yeah, that's right. Um, no, he didn't. Oh, here we go. There you go. A little delayed response. There you go. What could the what could the NFL do to punish the Patriots? I, I mean, I feel like I'm out on an island, but I wrote last Wednesday that I would take two first round picks away. Whoa! What? Yeah. Um. That's what I would do. I mean, they, they've taken they've taken two ones away in the past, and they're still they're still up to shenanigans. I mean, whatever you, whatever we, we'll never know intent because there's, there's not going to be an email, you know, from <laughs> Phil Belichick to the freelance, you know what I mean? Like uh, a memo, <laughs> like to the freelance crew they used in Cleveland, explicitly laying out, you know what I mean, the shots he needs and how to get them and what he's going to do with them. Like that doesn't exist, of course not. But you know what? They already admitted we did it. It happened, and. Mm. It can't happen. It's not supposed to happen. And they're repeat offenders. Um, and and if you're going to go down this road, you better go down it so squeaky clean. Like, you better have made five more phone calls than you need to make. Not just some phone call to Jimmy Haslam to get him to – don't even get me yeah. started on why Cleveland said yes. I mean, trust me. There should be an ancillary investigation of this. There won't be. But there are definitely people at Park Avenue saying, what the hell was going on in Cleveland? Like, why? Well, wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's uh, just touch on that real quickly because, I mean, for, for people who – I mean, I think people probably have an idea. But, like, for NFL games, you can get credential. Anybody, can, anybody with a media outlet can get credentialed for a single game. Uh, it wouldn't be entirely unusual for me to call uh, the Bengals or the Browns and say, hey – uh, I want to come up for the Browns Bengals game, and they'd be like, "Why is CBS sending the guy from you know Brinson up here for the Browns Bengals game in in Week 14?" That's a little weird, but like it, it wouldn't be a huge hassle if you know if I got it started early in the week. No, but the they still before. might make you jump through some hoops, especially sure. if you were say trying to go to Foxborough. Right, like, right, they right. might it, really it, try it, to make you jump it, through it, some it, hoops yeah, just right. because. <clears throat> They they can be sticklers about this stuff. Right. It, it depends on it depends on when you ask. It Did you submit on... something online in time? Why exactly. didn't you not let us know sooner? Boy, we got a lot of media at this one. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Sometimes sometimes they'll be a little a little squirrely about it. Sometimes they're cool about it. It just it depends team to team, but it's typically speaking not that difficult to get the process going if you do it early enough. However And you're actually in the media and yes. not working for a team that happens that's, to be playing their opponent the following week. That's the thing. Like why would the so, like, do you think? Do, I mean, do we know what the full process was for the credentialing? Were the Bengals or the Browns even talk about it? Is it a, uh, you know, like what's what, what's your sense of that? I, I I'm baffled as to why that request would have been granted, and if it's granted, why you wouldn't? Like, why both the Browns and the Patriots would think? No bother informing the other team. <laughs> no need to notify the league's football operations. We're good. This shall pass. It is nothing to see here. I said that. I said that in the immediate aftermath of this. I was like, "It's weird," and then, like you don't want to pin it on the Browns because I mean, look, I mean, I get it. Like the Brown, look, the Browns, 
as, as I think Ryan may have pointed out, he's like, look, Freddie Kitchens can't even call timeouts on like inappropriate spots. Like you'd think they're handling you know everything on a day to day basis very smoothly. They're probably not. But if you're the Browns and you, I mean, everybody knows the ceiling. You know, I mean, you got to know the schedule that like, the Patriots are going to be playing the Bengals. Um, if you're the Browns, it is it's incumbent on you to alert your visitor that there is a third party present for that game. And it's, it's even high- more incumbent for the Patriots to have notified football operations of the NFL and their opponent who they happen to be playing the following week that they're doing it. Of course. And like I I said too, if I was John Harbaugh, I would be going back and checking out my Sunday night. I would, I'd call up my PR guy. Say, Hey man, Chad, is Chad still there? Thanks Chad. Yes. Yeah. Chad, go, uh, go pull that list from, um, Sunday night when we played the Patriots. Go, uh, go pull the list from the week before too. You know, just just a thought process. Maybe help pull the pull the list for the entire rest of the season and before. And like, I don't want to ascribe intent to anything, but I do know that if I were Bill Belichick and I were hell bent on finding an edge, and I was told that you know we had we were sending we were doing this video 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 series. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't write anything down like you said, but I might. Mention in casual conversation, hey, this guy happens to get any good B-roll, let me right. know. You know we what don't I mean? Have, we, we've never faced that coach before. He's a first-time head coach. We didn't uh-huh. get him in the preseason. Exactly. We haven't advanced him yet. You know, if, and, and look, personal, if, if video of personnel groupings and signals showed up. <laughs> and, and look, like you can say what you want about it being the Bengals, and it's a laugher that they would have needed to cheat to beat the Bengals. They don't take anything for granted. I mean, that, that whole part of the argument I don't get. Like, right. it's, it's No, actually, the Patriot way is treat every game like it's the Super Bowl. Right, exactly. Right? Anything the Patriot is- way is Nick Saban, if you saw the HBO documentary, up 59 to nothing on Colorado Community College of the Blind or whatever, and screaming at his team because they didn't have the right, you know what I mean? They didn't have the, the right guys on the field for like a field goal when they're up 69, nothing or whatever with 30 hey, seconds left. Hey, you know what the, uh, you know what the other That's thing, the Patriot way. Okay. You know what the other thing that Bill Belichick said either in that or actually it was in the top 100 thing he did recently when he was asked, here's the, the I like this quote and it's a pretty popular quote. You'll know where it is when I say it. Um, if you know yourself, but not the enemy for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. Art of War, Sun Tzu, Bill Belichick's favorite book, and the reason, and like what he thinks is sort of along with finding a winning edge and the art of war. Like those are the kind of, I don't know if he is like the Bill Walsh's book is his Bible, but like he constantly refers to Sun Tzu. Like that is his methodology for it. And like Sun Tzu is not a, uh, he's not like a super chill play by the rules. No, no, he's out for blood. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's it, it's gain any I mean gain any advantage you can right right and like this is another sort of argument I raised in the column. Who knows every nuance of the rule book like Belichick and Ernie Adams? Nobody. Right? They know when you can drop kick, when you can put a formation where an offensive lineman lines, lines up like he's a slot receiver. Right? They know all that. Guess what? If you're the Patriots and twice they've taken first round picks for you because you didn't follow the game day operations manual and you're sending, and I don't care if Belichick knew or not, whoever the middle manager is, whoever makes the call that gets this done, needs to also send an adult there who does no game day protocols, who makes sure that these three chowderheads don't do anything they're not supposed to do. Otherwise, if you're not doing that, that's the same as essentially, in my estimation, saying anything goes. Right? I'm, and we're already asking for something highly unusual that we would never grant to any other franchise in a kajillion years. Like, I, I, I would love some NFL PR guy for bleeps and giggles to call Stacey James today and say, <laughs> yeah, only, only a couple games left in the regular season. We didn't get around to doing this feature on an advanced scout. Um, like, who do the Patriots play week 17? The Dolphins. Who are, there you go. Like, Brian Flores, call up your old boss. Say hey, yeah, you know what? We we really we, you guys are getting boffo numbers with the do your job video series. We want to duplicate it. Um, <laughs> only two weeks left in the regular season. Um, we got you week seventeen. We're going to advance you week seventeen. So we're going to send a crew to your game. Or or like or what shoot if our they, scout. You know or, what I mean? Like what are the what are the bills? On. What are the bills called? We're like hey, listen, we're doing a um, 
we're doing a series titled uh, a stadium series, and it's it's basically like a, a GoPro documentary style um, away game video thing where we we check out the other stadiums we're playing in. But we'd love to come out there early and do just a yeah. little like B roll, uh, maybe hit up your practice fields, and you know we'll just have a right. it'll be a, a third party videographer. He's not gonna take anything of the coach it's just no. the grass and like the stadium and so no big deal right is that cool they'd be like what are you they, talking about they wouldn't dude? grant it no they would in the first preseason game much less that we're talking about we're really this week 14 we're doing this stuff come on yeah, now. yeah. so whatever you're never going to get to the bottom of intent but that you the league is aware that there's a checklist of at least five things the patriots could have done to make sure this didn't happen they did none of them yeah and it did happen. And then, the, and then, the, then the like, then the Southie cameraman, as we pointed out, is like, he's like, oh, look, just, you know, just delete it. Like, it's no big deal. Yeah. Like, just get rid of it. Yeah. And he's like, my friend, the damage has been done. Yeah. And then it takes the Bengals finding him. You know what I mean? It's not like they realized that they left the camera there, saw it, and then went to an NFL football operations p- person in the press box and said, hey. We we accidentally did this. We're going to show it to you. You know what I mean? No, it took the other team finding them doing it. Like, come on. No, it's a big deal. I'm sorry. Like, whatever we think there is to gain from it, like, people are like, oh, oh well, you know, there was nothing to gain from what they did to Mangini or nothing. Well, then they think, obviously, that people there think it is. Like, yeah. part of their culture is, yeah, that stuff does matter. Otherwise, you're not – dude, there was so many things they could have done to prevent it from happening. And for them to get caught the way they got caught, the league has to, the league has to act in a, in a forceful manner. The rest of the, mm-hmm. the other teams are watching. Well, the other and thing, too, well, I look at it they're like – repeat offenders. Repeat offenders. I look at it like – and I'm not – I know this is going to be a weird comparison, but the Miles Garrett helmet thing – it's a it's it's such a layup for the NFL. Like this is a no brainer. You just hammer the Patriots, and no one thinks or blinks. Like you you know you suspend Miles Garrett for the season. You don't even think like. And they did it within twenty four hours. I know this will be a bigger investigation. But you know what I'm saying? Like this, but this is not, won't be epic. I mean, th- this will be wrapped no, up in no, weeks, like, not months. Like this no. this this. They've already admitted it. Now I I say I would take away two ones. They're not going to take away two ones. I'm not reporting that they're going to take away two ones. Right. I just wrote a column based on what I was hearing in the middle of last week, saying, okay, if everything I'm hearing is true, this is what I would do to finally get their attention. Right. But I mean, they're going to lose a draft pick. There's, there's going to be a massive fine, and I am reporting they're going to lose at least one draft pick. And it's, it, it's not going to be a fifth rounder. It's going to be something higher than that. Now, could it be multiple? It could, depending on what they find out. Could there also be a suspension for the owner or somebody else? There could, depending on what they find out. Um, but I'm going to baseline it at at least a mid round pick and massive fines, and hey. it may it, it it may be more based on how they answer some of these questions because there are going to be questions asked like who who picked these people, what are their backgrounds, have they ever shot for you on the road before, what what you know, what instructions were they given, and if the answer is oh nothing, then that's on you too because you're going into another team's press box like. You, they need to have been told exactly what they can and can't do, especially if your statement is making the point of, you know, that basically they're just freelancers. We hardly even know them. Well, guess what? They're representing your organization. And not just the organization. They're, they're literally representing the owner. So if you don't care enough to have given them any real instructions or have sent the producer with them who actually knows what's going on or to have self-corrected in any manner, then guess what? That matters too. Yeah. Hey, do um... – do you think that the forthcoming CBA negotiations will matter at all in this? Like Roger Goodell maybe doesn't want to create a rift with Bob Kraft. Like, I mean, no, okay. I, I mean, no, I don't think that, I don't think that factors in at all. Okay. I mean, all right. I just, I was just thinking through other factors. All yeah. right, uh, I, I hey. mean, look, the, the Falcons lost a pick from pumping in, Crowd noise, yeah. Crowd noise. The Browns lost a pick from Sassy Brown texting down to the sidelines during games, right? I mean, the Patriots have lost first-rounders twice. I mean, Sean Payton got suspended for an entire season. <laughs> that seems for, so long ago. For something that really 
I mean, I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole, but like, if you look at what the Tagliabue report ultimately said, it was more pay for performance than it was a bounty program, but whatever. I mean, Greg Williams had to grow out. You actually got penalized. Like you, you had to give money back for personal fouls, but okay. He was a bounty program. Okay. Like you got paid for sacks. You know what I mean? And, and yes, you would have gotten paid if you knocked somebody out of a game, but if you knocked somebody out of a game and got flagged for it, you're not making money. You're giving money back, but yeah, it's a bounty. Okay, sure. Yeah. All right. Great. Okay. Bounty. Um, sure. Why not? Let's hit on uh, real quick. Let's get to uh, Cleveland. The so do you are you hearing or did you report? I didn't see um, the entire segment. Uh, I was doing some other stuff on Sunday morning. But did you report on Odell Beckham? On he's not going to ask for a trade, but he is certainly uh, very interested to see. Uh, the, what changes are made. Um, mm. And there is a thought process among a lot of veterans on that team that if they just think you can roll the balls out next year with the same crew, uh, yeah, it, it goes deeper than that. Um, there's questions about play calling. There's yeah. questions about offensive design. There's questions about Todd Munkin's role. There's questions about the quarterback coach and whether he's really the guy for Baker Mayfield. There's a lot of questions about Baker Mayfield. A lot of questions about Baker Mayfield. Whoa. Um, like what kind just, of questions? Well, why is he the 33rd ranked quarterback in the NFL? Why does only Jameis Winston have a high interception percentage? Why is he worried about grooming himself at halftime of games? Um, Wait, what? What's his off, what's his off season going to look like? What? Who's going to be working with him? What is he going to do to make some changes and correct some things to try to get back on uh, the 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 path that he you know that he was on the second half of his rookie season? Wait, um, wait, 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 wait! What? He's grooming himself at halftime? Yeah. What do you mean? Like he's like, facial hair? You know what I mean? Like worried about mustache, half stash, full beard, half beard, whatever. Is he like shaving at halftime? Maybe. What? Like he's like he's like all right. This isn't working. Like, I'm well, there's there's, like, there's, well, there's people who, who are wondering where his head is at various times, and what? what he's thinking about, and what he's focused on, and frankly, whether he has the right group around him to bring out the best in him. And I don't. I, I'm talking in the building. I'm not talking about his buddies. Right. You know what I mean? Like, is he? Are there guardrails for Baker Mayfield? Are there boundaries? Who's the bad cop? If there's not a bad cop, you might want to get a bad cop. And mm. I'll say this. Whatever you think of Greg Williams, <laughs> he he will embrace the bad cop. And the only time that organization in the last however long Haslam's owned it, and even before that, because the Holmgren thing was a disaster, the only time they really looked like a first-rate operation was when they went five and two down the stretch, and there were guardrails, and that was the exact opposite of Hugh Jackson. And all Freddie Kitchens had to worry about was the quarterback, right? And nobody had to worry about. You see Miles Garrett swinging helmets at anybody, did you? You didn't have to worry about is is you know Callaway going to show up for the flight or not? Like you didn't have to worry about any of that. Like everybody knew where they stood, and everybody knew what was required of them. And Baker Mayfield had the Baltimore Ravens on the ropes. And I know Mosley ended up picking that pass off, but like they were playing in week 17, right? Still mathematically alive. Yeah. That Ravens game against the Ravens. In week right. 17, it went down to the wire and Baker had a big game. Yeah. I know he turned it over a couple times, but I mean, like, if you look, all if that you... happened and you went from that to basically back to the Hugh Jackson model. Yeah. A guy it... who's so overwhelmed, so much on his plate doing too much, for a veteran coach, much less, you know, in this case, a rookie coach. And who do you think? You think D Haslam and Jimmy Haslam are playing bad cop? Miles Garrett almost splits a dude's head on TV, and she's up there in the press box in the in the suite with a Miles Garrett beanie on the next week, right? And then the coach is like, "Hold my beer! I got a T-shirt that's better than that." Like that's what <laughs> that's the Cleveland Browns, right? So no. There is no authority figure. Who's going to step into Baker and be like, dude, at the exit meetings, like however many commercials you shot last year and whatever the hell was going on from, you know, February to April, we can't have that again. Like 
we got it. We got to have a course correction here, brother. You know, like what what what's going on? If you look at um, like I'm just on it right now. The he's Browns statistically the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. Like nobody's talking about it, but they yes. are in the Cleveland locker room. Um, it's rough. Now, is he being booted out enough? Enough? Is, is is are they trying to turn him into something he's not? What is the construct there? Hell. We knew the offensive line was a problem. Are they running an offense that helps the offensive line or further exposes it? You know, like Greg Williams ain't the issue there. You know what I'm saying? Like the the quarterback's a problem. Like this, if he continues to play this way, it is a massive problem. Yeah. And he's got to be more relatable. He's got to, there's got to be a bit of an attitude correction. Like you're not just along for the ride, bro. You're, you're part of what's pulling it down. Stop talking about dude's contracts. Stop talking about dude's injuries. Stop talking. It's crazy that if you were like, you would take Kyler. Nobody's no right? talking about it. Look at his numbers. Look at his numbers. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, look, if I'm looking at the Browns PFR encyclopedia right now, at list every year by, by whatever, like last year, this season is almost identical to last year in terms of like record point differential, negative 32 versus negative 33. The top passer, Mayfield, top rusher, Chubb, top receiver, Landry. There's a name conspicuously missing there. Um, points, they're 21st last year, 20th this year. Yards, 17th last year, 13th this year. Defensive points, though, 18th last year, 21st now, 17th in yards last year, 30th in yards. Um, and then they've jumped up a bit in turnovers per game. But like by and large, this is the same team that they trotted out uh, last year. And, I mean, you know. Well, except last year, Baker Mayfield, 27 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. Uh, He's upside down this year, including two brutal ones he threw in the end zone yesterday. And the one at the end, I guess who cares, it was over. The the early one was big. Um, Dude, he's completing completing 60% of his passes. That's terrible in, in the in 2019 NFL. And you're talking about a guy in Baker Mayfield who, when he was drafted out of Oklahoma, came into the NFL completing 68.5% of his passes in college. I understand there's a whole different ball game and a whole different dynamic, but like he completed 69.8% of his passes at Oklahoma at a high level of college football. And they just don't have the, like, he's just not accurate. Whatever they're doing. Well, they're keeping him in the pocket. I mean, there's not enough. There's, there's, there, look, the whole, the construct and the play calling is bad. Like, they're yeah. doing him no favors, but they're bringing out the worst in him. It, yep. I mean, does he, does he have more interceptions than touchdowns? He is tied 17 all. Yeah. That's bad. That's and there's bad. a lot of fumbles too. His inter, his interception percentage has soared. Again, only Jameis has a worse one. And his touchdown percentage has dropped. His completion percentage is terrible. Going into last week, he was completing 55% of his targets to Odell Beckham, a guy who seems to me has a pretty big catch radius, and if it's even remotely close, a la his whole career with Eli, he gets to it more times than not. Now, yesterday, I know Odell didn't have a big game. I didn't look at the final box score, but it's probably less than 55% of his targets. The only guy, look, he's, he and Jarvis have a thing, but that's it, and it's not enough to carry. The slot guy is not going to carry your team, and like – do they need like? I mean, I, mean, I, I guess. Odell, Odell. Like, should they just be a run-heavy team with a quarterback who who they only want to throw the ball twenty to twenty-five times and with a lot of with a lot of of, of mesh points and playing it around? Like, I don't want to say the Ravens because they can't do what the Ravens do, but like, th- they might want to change their whole philosophy and instead of it being all about Baker all the time, like that might not be the road to go down. Mm. For right now, for for the start of next year, especially when you've got two young, cheap, dynamic running backs who can be on the field at the same time. Mm. All right. That's a so, job. yeah, there's people sitting back, like sipping their tea, wondering, like, okay. And, and whatever you think of Odell, he hasn't said boo. He hasn't. I mean, think of all the times Baker has stepped in his own poo going back to the Duke Johnson <laughs> contract. Yeah. And what is Odell hasn't said a word. Odell's been fine this year. He had, I mean, t- like numbers wise, it's a disaster, but like yeah. personality wise, he hadn't been the issue at all, except for like that shoes thing. And he was quiet about it. Yeah. So, so is Freddie no, he's, not gonna, he's not going to ask for a trade, but like, he's also going to be saying like, what, like, does anybody else see what's going on here? Cause like, if we just bring this whole cast back and it's like, Oh, they'll have an off season together and it'll be fine. Nah, man, it's pretty, it there's, it's, it, they, 
they don't have an offense. They have an they have an occasional play that works in the passing game, but it ain't an offense. Yeah. In terms of the passing game. Man. Rough stuff. Rough stuff for the uh, the old Cleveland You know what Browns. I mean? So it's like you went from Greg Williams to Steve Wilkes on the defensive side of the ball, not working out real real well. You've got all this on the plate of a of a first time head coach, and that's been a total disaster. The staff you put around him doesn't look that strong. You know, does Munkin just leave for whatever at this point if he can get out of there? Because he's not even able to do the one thing he does best. Yeah. Like, and if you're making, and, and, if, and if, if you can concede that there's a lot of things that need to change, but you're not going to, you're not even going to think about maybe the, the head coach is woefully miscast. Well, the whole league's talking about it, so you, you may or may not choose to address it. But it don't mean it's not a thing. It, it doesn't mean that guys in the locker room aren't watching and wondering, like, are they, what's going to happen? Like, are we going to be the same operation next year? Mm. All right. So there's something to see in Cleveland, contrary to what others would try to tell you. And it'll be interesting January in Cleveland, but but it always is. <laughs> Every freaking year, it's interesting January in Cleveland. All right, yeah. we got uh let's get out of here. We we can we can renew the the hot uh, hot seat talk next week because we'll be really heading into fire and season. Szn. Follow him on Twitter at Jason Lock and Four. Watch him on the NFL Today and CBS Sports HQ. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, buddy. Sounds good, my friend. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.